When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today we're going to have so much fun because we're going to be talking about buying a type of business that already exists, which is a franchise. And we're really going to talk about how it's not maybe McDonald's. It's not, you know, something that, that, you know, we're, we're, we hear so much about. And so please join me in welcoming John Austinson to our program today. Welcome, John. Thanks, Deb. Excited to be here with you. Love the show and I appreciate you having me on. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And another Atlanta person. It's always fun when I get to talk with somebody local, um, you know, and, and um, you know, the, the, the cool thing about technology is we can be, what, 20 miles apart or several thousand and any more doesn't really matter. Um, so cool. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you and then we will dive into this. So Joel Austinson is a consultant, investor, author, and international speaker specializing in the area of non food franchising. He draws on his experience as both the president of an Inc. 500 franchise system and as a multi-brand franchisee himself in serving clients across these capabilities. John serves as the CEO of FranBridge Consulting, where he helps consultants understand all aspects of non-food franchising in the process of introducing them to opportunities from the over 300 high growth brands that he represents. Let me say that again, over 300 high growth brands. He is in the top 1% of consultants nationwide in client deal flow and is a frequent contributor on the topic of franchising to publications such as the Franchise Journal and that little thing called Forbes. So again, John, welcome. Thanks, Deb. I appreciate it. Looking forward to our conversation. Cool. Well, I always like to, to find out how my guests got to where they are today. So tell us about that path that you've gone on. Absolutely. No, coming out of school, uh, University of Georgia, go dogs, um, national champions. We, uh, you know, I went to work for Accenture and uh, got to do some international consulting and had a great experience. Did the traditional path of going back to business school and then uh, climbed the ladder in corporate America uh, in some industries I never thought I'd be in. But, you know, learn to say yes and stay open-minded and after working for public companies for a while, uh, you know, could have done that forever, but I, you know, and they put the golden handcuffs on you, but I had that desire that so many people have to do something a little different, something more entrepreneurial. And, and for me, it wasn't a full on jump into entrepreneurship. It was more right. of a step into it. And that mm-hmm. first step for me was um, to step into a private company. So mm-hmm. going from a public company to a private company, I served as uh, president of Shelf Genie Franchise System mm-hmm. uh, based here in Atlanta had the opportunity to serve all of our uh, franchise owners across North America. Mm-hmm. And really for me, that was an eye-opening experience into how franchising can provide a great path to business ownership. You know, I okay. got to see this across all of our franchisees and um, you know, in the past I'd always associate a franchising with fast food. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, so it was eye-opening to me to start to understand the different types of industries out there mm-hmm. and really see that a lot of people do not understand uh, what exists and right. uh, you know things that could be a good fit for them. So mm-hmm. um, fast forward, I, I've got a couple of business partners. We own a couple of franchises as franchisees ourselves. So I've mm-hmm. now sit on both sides of the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but fortunately, we've got good people running those for us. And it allows me to spend about 90% of my time consulting and brokering deals. So as mm-hmm. you said, 
you know, we always have new concepts and, and opportunities coming down the down the wire. And, um, you know, I, I'm vetting those really getting in deep, getting to know the leadership teams, mm-hmm. and then serving those up to my clients uh, as a potential fit for them in their market. So um, you know, I get the opportunity to work with everyone from, uh, you know, those in the corporate world, they're looking to jump into something full time, mm-hmm. you know, and potentially a little more entrepreneurial, don't want to go start a business on their mm-hmm. own. They, they like the idea of a franchise and what that provides. And then also those that say, hey, you know, I've got a little nervousness around the fact that stock markets up here, interest rates down here, only so many good real estate deals to be had. Mm-hmm. Where am I going to place additional investments, mm-hmm. alternatives? And, and maybe I want to have a small hand in those, maybe mm-hmm. not full time, but you know, run something on the side, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, a lot of clients that, that kind of fit that mold. And so, um, yeah, when, when people hear the F word franchising, they think of me, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really eat and breathe this stuff and love it. Cool, I love it. Let's kind of start with a basic question: What exactly is a franchise? Yeah, by definition, a franchise is three things. It's a, it's a shared brand. It's shared support uh, coming from, say, a home office or the corporate entity. And then it's, uh, you know, some form of royalty payment or fee going back for that support. So that's mm-hmm. what, what defines a franchise relationship. And, you know, franchising is not right for everyone. In some cases, some of my clients are too entrepreneurial and they want to put their thumbprints all over. Right. Uh, they want to, they want to do their own branding. Mm-hmm. They do. And I, and I'm very straight up with them about that. However, for so many franchising does create a better path to business ownership. And, mm-hmm. and, and what I mean behind that is, you know, it's much more than that shared brand, you know, with mm-hmm. a franchisor, you've got a coach on the sidelines mm-hmm. whose interests are aligned with yours. The better you mm-hmm. do, the better they do. You've got other franchisees in the system that are going through the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. testing the same marketing vehicles, mm-hmm. let's say, or learning where the best recruiting ponds are mm-hmm. to, to fish from. Um, and so you're able to share best practices mm-hmm. with others that are running the same business in other markets. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you've got a playbook. You've got a proven system. Mm-hmm. And if you follow the system, it's kind of hard to fail. Right. You know, obviously, some don't work out, but a high percentage do work out, especially when compared to a traditional startup. You know, Our rate of success is extremely high. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, from an exit standpoint, you know, I always like to think about you know, beginning with the end in mind, Stephen mm-hmm. Covey. Um, you know, when you're building a f- business and franchising, you're not just building cash flow, um, mm-hmm. but you're also, and you know, you're not just getting tax write-offs, you know, as mm-hmm. a small business owner, which mm-hmm. is great, but you're also uh, building towards an exit. You're building that asset that's going to have a residual value down mm-hmm. at the end, hopefully a good bit more than what you originally invested in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a study recently done that compared franchise businesses versus non-franchise across mm-hmm. a number of industries and like kind of industries. They found that franchise businesses typically sell for an average of one and a half times what a non-franchise business would in ah. a similar industry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think from a, a resale standpoint, people do see the value as well. Um, so you're building that asset, um, mm-hmm. as I said. I love it. You know, and in a lot of ways, it's 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 a business in a box. Um, you know, as you mentioned, it's you know, it, it, it a lot of what you have to do is already done for you. The branding, the marketing, all of those things. And, you know, I talk with a lot of business owners who have started their own business and they, you know, always talk about the challenges, you know, the the things like not knowing that you have to register with the secretary of state, not knowing, you know, where to even operate, um, not knowing who to turn to for accounting, for legal, for all of those things. And, you know, and, and I think that's, that's one of the things that so many small business owners, you know, I think that's why so many close is, you know, we've got this great idea for this widget, for this service, but all of that other stuff gets in the way, um, you know, and, and, and we just can't do it. You know, I tell people I love my business, but there are certain things about it that I just don't like. And, you know, it would be very nice if somehow there was, as you said, you know, that playbook, you know, this is, is how you do it. So, you know, I love that franchising gives people that opportunity to be that entrepreneur without having to think, okay, you know, is this a trademark name? Is this, you know, all of those things that, you know, as a business owner, we have no clue about. Exactly. You know, not to be too cliche, but you're starting out on third base instead of first base. Right. So, you know, a lot of things have been put in place and figured out for you. So it allows you to really focus on 
building that business, scaling it, and you know, moving towards profitability mm-hmm. much faster. So, um, you know, when you have the playbook, you know, on day one, what it takes to become profitable, mm-hmm. and you can start working towards that. Versus, as you said, you know, sometimes people have an idea and mm-hmm. maybe there's not that product market fit yet that's been mm-hmm. proven out. And so you're trying to figure out on day one, can this be profitable? Mm-hmm. You know, and so um, I'd say that is a big differentiator between the two. And again, you know, some people are too entrepreneurial. Some people want to mm-hmm. do it themselves. What's really interesting, Deb, is a lot of my clients have our current business owners. Maybe they've already done it themselves ah. and they say, hey, I'd rather not recreate mm-hmm. the wheel. I've been there, done that. I've learned my lessons. I love the idea of, you know, having something that, you know, I don't want to make it sound too easy when I say mm-hmm. turnkey, but right. a mm-hmm. lot of things have been figured out mm-hmm. for you. Um, you know, it's interesting when I was at Shelf Genie and we would, you know, bring in new franchise owners, uh, we would take them through training. And at the end of training, they'd oftentimes look at me and say, gosh, you guys are driving the marketing for us. You're answering our calls. Mm-hmm. You've got all the systems, you know, you're helping us with the invoicing and the training of onboarding of new team members. What do we do day right. in? Day yeah. out? Uh, why, why do you need me? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, our answer to them was, uh, you know, a couple of things. You know, I'd say the biggest thing is, uh, you know, you know that local market. You know, you need to uh, attract talent, mm-hmm. retain talent, and make tough calls when needed. So mm-hmm. if someone absolutely hates working with people, we still have a couple of franchises they could fit into. But for the most part, you know, you've got to enjoy people. And, and maybe sales isn't your thing. And so your first hire is a salesperson. You're right. more on the operations side. Mm-hmm. So you can complement your skill set. Um, but I, I think that local market knowledge, you know, building that mm-hmm. team, uh, getting involved in the Chamber of Commerce or sponsoring the Little League baseball team. It's those kind of organic opportunities um, that having boots on the ground, having an invested interest mm-hmm. um, in the business, you know, is something that the franchisor from far away couldn't do on their own. Right. But the the nice thing is they still have a, the, the franchisor still has that very vested interest. You know, they may have done the market research, um, you know, various things so that they're just not saying, sure, you can do this business here. They're going to go, okay, you know, this is, this is a good place for it. Or, hey, you know, why don't we think about moving maybe five miles or, you know, something along those lines? Because they, they want the business to be successful also. 100%. No, the, the more successful you are, the more they are. Mm-hmm. But also, the more successful you are, the more they're able to attract new franchise owners mm-hmm. because those owners are going to talk to the current owners before mm-hmm. they buy into the system. It's mm-hmm. what we call validation. It's a right. great model because it allows mm-hmm. you to come in eyes wide open. Um, so no, definitely aligned interest there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not every franchisor is amazing. I mean, it's right. just like any other industry. And mm-hmm. that's why we really are careful to vet mm-hmm. those. And, you know, if they have a lot of experience in franchising, you know, th- that, that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have a good track record to look at. Mm-hmm. If they have a lot of experience in industry, but not mm-hmm. necessarily in franchising, I like to then see that they've complemented that lack of knowledge in franchising with uh, other experienced veterans mm-hmm. around them. Because I do think that franchisee relationship is very unique. Mm-hmm. It's a partnership. Um, mm-hmm. And there has to be that support level uh, day in, day out. Right. Now, you know, when we think franchise, I think probably one of the first things we do think of is the Golden Arches. Um, you know, they're, they're the one that basically started it, um, you know, them and pizza hut and a couple of the others, but they are the, the food type of, of, uh, industries. So you, what are some of the industries, you know, you, you know, I mentioned in your bio 300 different non-food ones. I'm, I'm guessing that there are ones that we don't even know our franchises, so tell us some of the, the the businesses. Just give us some examples of, of companies that are franchises. Yeah, great question. And I'd say this question is really where people tune in and say, whoa, I never knew that. Right. So there's about- I mean, 4, Walmart 4, is not a franchise, but- <laughs> <laughs> no, It feels like it sometimes, but uh, they're everywhere. Uh, so 4,000 food brand or f- franchise brands out there. Of those, probably half are foods. So you mm-hmm. you know, take those out from the ones that I'm focused okay. on. Um, and then we vet those down and, you know, there are different stages of growth. Some mm-hmm. may have five locations, some may have 500 locations, you know, mm-hmm. that we work with. Um, but the types of industries that exist and the types that are resonating today, mm-hmm. it's everything from health and wellness and fitness mm-hmm. to automotive mm-hmm. to um, home services and property services, mm-hmm. $600 billion market that people are wow. just, I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. a massive space of growth. Um, you know, children, education, think, uh, you know, everything from STEM training to you know, athletic type programs. 
Um, you know, pets are a massive uh, area. Mm -hmm. I always say that people love their homes, their health, their pets, and their kids, and they mm -hmm. will spend on those no matter right. what the economy is. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'd say COVID was now our business doubled during COVID I and bet. It du mm -hmm. doubled in 2021 mm -hmm. from the prior year. Yeah, because I mean, people went, Ooh, what the heck am I going to do now? Either uh, by choice or by, uh oh. <laughs> I think it caused it caused a lot of people to take a step back and think about the path they're on and question, hey, maybe now's the time to scratch that itch. I mean, we all have some degree of entrepreneurial itch. Right. Some actually scratch it, some talk about scratching it, and some actually uh, you know, some of us sold lemonade and yes, kids and went, no, uh-uh. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and so no, we've seen more interest in franchising over the past couple of years than I I've ever seen. I mean, it really is overwhelming at times and markets are selling out fast. You know, for a lot of the good brands, we're always mm -hmm. trying, I'm try, trying to place my clients and compete against others mm -hmm. uh, in the market. Um, but no, I'd say coming out of COVID, more and more interest in services-based businesses. Mm -hmm. Obviously, early on, it's like, hey, what is essential? Think mm -hmm. plumbing, think, you know, things okay. that are non-sexy, mm -hmm. I'd say are kind of becoming the new mm -hmm. sexy. I mean, I did a lot of deals in home services and property services where you mm -hmm. don't have to have a physical brick and mortar location. Mm -hmm. You can work remote. Um, I'd say the brick and mortar is definitely coming back. And it might be helpful, Deb, just to cite some of the recent placements yes. we've done because mm -hmm. I think this would be a good illustration. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I placed uh, actually two different clients, one in New Jersey, one mm -hmm. that was, uh, there was a 50-year-old former corporate executive, mm -hmm. one that was a former Wall Street attorney mm -hmm. just outside of Boston. They both bought into a gutter business that had mm -hmm. incredible numbers on the mm -hmm. business. It's one of the hottest things out there right now. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought? Um, and I can get into those financials later as an example, but they bought into the gutter business, no background ah. at all in that blue collar space, but they were thinking like a mm -hmm. business owner. Mm -hmm. I just had a couple out in Arkansas. She She's a PhD, works mm -hmm. for the University of Arkansas, wanted to get something going on the side. She bought into a fitness uh, business that's focused on those age 50 and above. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A very underserved market with a right. high disposable income that mm -hmm. cares a lot about their health, mm -hmm. uh, but great technology around that business. Mm -hmm. I just had a Silicon Valley executive uh, move to Southern California and bought into a property management business, mm -hmm. a commercial property management business. Um, so those are just a couple of examples. Uh, we just did a renovation style business up in Raleigh. Mm -hmm. um, you know, People are loving insulation and gutters mm -hmm. and dumpsters those kind of non-sexy businesses mm -hmm, are the new mm -hmm. sexy. At the same time, we are still doing things like IV drip bars or we're mm -hmm. doing, you know, children related technology, STEM mm -hmm. training, let's say. Um, so it really is a wide array. And I love matching people up and peeling back the onion mm -hmm. and understanding what do they want that day-to-day -to, -day to look like? What do they mm -hmm. want financials to look like? Do they want a large team, small team, physical location, not? Mm -hmm. Once we kind of start peeling that back, I end up introducing them to opportunities mm -hmm. and over 85% buy into something that was never on their radar. Mm -hmm. It was an industry they never thought they'd be in mm -hmm. or considered. And so that's where I have a lot of fun in my job. I bet. Now I'm guessing probably, you know, next to what should I do? The next biggest question is how much is it going to cost? <laughs> and, and I think that's the thing that so many people think is, oh my gosh, you know, if I buy, you know, a, a, a you know, a, UPS franchise. I don't even know if they are a franchise. They are. Um, it's yep. going to cost me a quarter of a million dollars. Um, you know, give us an idea of the financing and kind of how that all works. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'd say the average deal size we do is probably between 150 and 250. Okay. Um, there are certainly some. I was talking with a client this morning that uh, we're looking at some opportunities closer to 70,000. Yeah. Now, there are fewer and for, further between, but there are some mm -hmm. is that low, whether it be like business coaching or cost reduction analyst, you know, mm -hmm. uh, th those were two that we were looking at. Um, but no, typically I'd say like, say in the gutter business, that's mm -hmm. one that's indicative of a lot of service-based mm -hmm. businesses. You're all on investment on that would be between 120 and 140. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to expand to multiple areas, then it might be closer to 200,000. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that would include your franchise fee, which is usually mm -hmm. 50000 up front. Mm -hmm. It would include your vehicle, some equipment, some working capital out of the gate for marketing, mm -hmm. for paying people. That's usually included. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I'd say that's a good estimate right there where a lot of our deals are happening. And then a lot of times people buy multiple territories. Mm -hmm. um, but some people, while they're self-funding, others are using SBA loans. That's okay. a very, very common method. Ah, uh, interesting. 
SBA 7A loan or an SBA express loan. I'd say mm-hmm. express loans are what we're seeing the most of. Those are usually for 150 and below. Mm-hmm. And a client will put down, uh, you know, 25% of that in mm-hmm. most cases. Um, and, you know, these rates, they're not as low as your home mortgage. However, they are low from a historical business mm-hmm. lending standpoint, probably in that 5 or 6% range. Mm-hmm. Um, we see others that have built up, you know, the 401ks and IRAs. They're nervous about where the stock market is. They'd mm-hmm. rather tap into their retirement funds mm-hmm. to fund the business. Um, and we have a program called the ROBS program uh, mm-hmm. where you set up the business as a C-Corp. It's owned by the retirement plan. There are a few steps you have to go through, mm-hmm. but essentially you can utilize your retirement funding without mm-hmm. having to um, you know, pay the early withdrawal penalty. Mm-hmm. So there are a few creative ways that we go about it, but those are two very common ones. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, that's, I think probably creative is the, the thing that people need to, to think about is, you know, how can we do this? Um, you know, and, and, and to realize, okay, starting a business from scratch costs money, um, you know, and, and now granted, there are a lot of businesses that, you know, really do, you know, you, you start by saying, hey, this seems like a good idea and you can do it for like under, you know, 500 bucks. But at some point, money has to start going into it in order for it to be an ongoing entity, um, you know, and, and so, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things, you know, we're, we're talking about food, non-food. Why, you know, why, why have you specialized in non-food and why would somebody want to go down that path as opposed to the food side? A couple of reasons. One, I don't have a background in food (laughs) and yet I do understand the other industries. Mm -hmm. Two, I don't personally like food. And what I found is 95% of my clients don't like food <laughs> from an ownership standpoint. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we all There's a it, lot but, of uh, stuff that goes along with those. It feels a little too trendy. It's very employee heavy. It's very, you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes a little more expensive on the front end doing mm-hmm. the build out. Um, mm-hmm. And it carries inventory. So a lot of people just found there are easier ways to make money mm-hmm. than food. Now, mm-hmm. that being said, 5% of my clients love food. And I usually, you know, send them some ideas, but we, mm-hmm. we don't spend a lot of time on it. Um, so I'd say th- those are the biggest reasons. I'm also a big believer in niching down and really specializing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead of trying to be everything to everybody, mm-hmm. you know, I, I like to focus. Um, mm-hmm. I think I serve my clients better that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's interesting. I talked with somebody on the other side of this not long ago who mm-hmm. is a franchisor. Um, and, and she has uh, a very interesting woman. Um, she, she has, I think just six, maybe, you know, not, not a lot, but indoor miniature golf. And so her brand is monster mini golf um, and Christina Vitaliano. It was very interesting to hear her story from, you know, and, and she said, you know, deciding to franchise Mm-hmm. was a huge deal, um, you know, and, and, um, but, you know, one of the things that, that she talked about is I'm sure something that, that, you know, all the franchisors do, she said, you know, when we're having someone who wants to become a franchisee, she said, you would not believe the amount of work that we put into seeing if it would be a good fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and she, and she said, that's part of why there's not that many of them. She said, you know, we just don't, we don't want to go through that all that much, but she said, yeah, we, you know, she said in the end, it's our name that's on it. It's not Bob Smith or, you know, Patty, you know, whoever it's our name. And so if something goes wrong, you know, the business fails, whatever, she said, we're the ones that take the hit. And she said, so that's why from the franchisor perspective, they really, really try and make sure that it's, it's a good match. Yeah, no, that's very wise. And yeah, everyone approaches it a little bit differently, but hey, I'm a member of the entrepreneurs organization. So I work with a lot of business owners that um, you know, are thinking about scaling their business. And we oftentimes talk about whether franchising is the right path. And, and quite a few do go down that path. You know, mm-hmm. the way I see it from a franchisor standpoint, is some of the benefits are you know, oftentimes you are able to scale more quickly. You're using mm-hmm. other people's money. You mm-hmm. always want employees to act like owners. Well, now you actually have owners you mm-hmm. know, with the best of interest and know mm-hmm. their local market. Um, and private equity loves franchising. I mean, mm-hmm. every day new announcements come out about private mm-hmm. equity acquiring franchisors typically, mm-hmm. um, you know, for all the reasons that, that we've laid out. And mm-hmm. so a lot of benefits to franchising your business. The downside, I always tell uh, owners this, is you wake up one day and you have a lot of kids with expectations around the country, right. you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're looking to you for guidance. So it just changes your day to day. You have to kind of know that going in, but uh, no new franchisors. I always caution to not get overly excited with the first couple of candidates that show interest mm-hmm. in buying into your franchise system. Cause I think that's easy to do. 
Um, instead, be very discerning, especially mm-hmm. with those first couple as you're building mm-hmm. out that franchise reputation. I mean, these are the guys who are going to be setting your item 19, your financial mm-hmm. representation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for, for future owners. They'll be doing the validation. Now, from a franchisor standpoint, you are protected in a lot of ways with that franchise disclosure document. Mm-hmm. So franchising is regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. Ah. Every franchise system has an FDD or franchise disclosure document. Mm-hmm. It's about a hundred page document. It's got 23 different sections to it mm-hmm. or items as we call them. And it's probably the most one-sided document you'll ever see in your life. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, a lot of thinking goes into protecting that, that brand of the franchise mm-hmm. and you know, all the uh, disclaimers and, right. and such going in so that both sides of the party, you know, understand the expectations of the other mm-hmm. and ultimately, you know, the entity can move forward. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and as, you know, as, as we said, you know, that that brand is what they're protecting, um, you know, and, and so that's why they have their rules, their policies, their guidelines um, that, that say things like, you know, uh, you know, UPS back to another, you know, it, it, this is what the, it looks like. Here is how your employees dress. Um, you know, all of those things. And so, you know, yeah, you might decide, okay, we're going to have a Hawaiian day, but you know, it's, it's maybe a special event that you're doing. And, and in some cases, I'm guessing you have to run that up the flagpole and get, get that approved. But, you know, it's, it, it is pretty cut and dried in many cases as to how you're functioning. But how then, you know, because people are like, well, that sounds kind of boring. So how, what flexibility do people have? And obviously it depends on, you know, varies from franchise to franchise, but what flexibility do, do people have? Yeah, you know, it really comes down to the franchisor and their willingness um, and openness to innovation. You know, oftentimes mm-hmm. the best ideas come from franchisees that are thinking mm-hmm. outside the box. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in some cases, like if they're going to totally try a rebrand or something, you know, then yes, you need mm-hmm. permission. But in a lot of cases, it could be something that's a little more organic and, mm-hmm. you know, they test things in that market. Then if mm-hmm. it works, they're able to share that knowledge and maybe, um, you know, really connotize it across the, the franchise system and spread mm-hmm. that. So, I mean, that's a great benefit is that other people are trying different things in their markets. Mm-hmm. You know, some franchisors are definitely more open to the innovation and, mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe have wider boundaries and, mm-hmm. and guardrails than others. So, that's one of those things we like to get to know ahead of time to understand, hey, what, mm-hmm. you know, how long of a leash do I have? You know, rather than feeling too regimented, I think the positive is it keeps you on track. You know, when mm-hmm. I was at Shelf Genie and I looked across you know, 150 franchise locations, our top ones invariably were the ones that were following the system to the mm-hmm. T. I, you know, and so that is why you buy into a franchise system because you want to follow the system. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it can't be too rigid, but those guardrails really mm-hmm. do keep you moving in the right direction. It's just amazing. The best franchisees follow the system the best. Right, right. You know, it's it's funny from from my perspective as as a marketing firm, you know, it's I I have belonged to various chambers of commerce through the years, and and I remember one that I belonged to in Colorado. You know, absolutely loved it. It was the Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce. Mm-hmm. Fabulous speakers, great attendees, but many of them were franchisees, mm-hmm. um, whether they were realtors or cosmetic or insurance. You know, all of these various things, and so I couldn't do business with them. I mean, you know, and and it was just that plain and simple because they had their marketing already set for them. You know, so it wasn't that I could come in and say, hey, let's redesign your website or let's do this new brochure because that came from on high. Um, you know, and, and that actually, you know, it meant then we had different conversations. Um, yeah. But, you know, there were still, like I said, there were still some flexibilities. You know, a lot of times it's things like how they get involved in the community, um, you know, with, you know, and, and things like that. But, you know, it's, it's, as it, it is always interesting from, from the outside marketing perspective, yeah. it's like, oh, I can't, I can't do too much for them. Yeah. No, you know, with the, I think that's a really good point with, with digital marketing. Let's say I, oftentimes in a franchise system, it is common to use a similar provider. I mean, they may have mm-hmm. some marketing people on staff that support you, but then they may also use like specialized outside mm-hmm. firm for pay-per-click and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. social, uh, you know, ads and stuff. Well, the, Benefit to that is that they get to look at large status. They're not mm-hmm. just looking at your market. They're looking at all these mm-hmm. other markets. Right. They're able to make more informed decisions. They're also, in some cases, able to u- utilize bulk buying power because mm-hmm. here you've got right. 100 Advertising have, would be probably the biggest you know, exactly. example of that. 
Exactly. So you're getting to do some things that a typical small business owner wouldn't be able to do because they're not scaled up. Mm -hmm. Um, Most franchisors will allow you to do, you know, your own organic social marketing. They want you putting things in, you know, hey, we're going to be at this art show this weekend. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, look at our display. Look Mm -hmm. at this five-star review we just got from a customer. They want you putting that Mm -hmm. organic stuff. So it's usually a fine balance between the two. Uh, Mm -hmm. But yeah, they want you involved in that local community and getting the name out there. Right. You know, and, and, and the brand, I mean, you know, that's, that really is my background is, is the brand. And, and, you know, many years ago I worked for um, what is now Voya Financial, but it was ING when I worked for them. And our logo was this little orange lion. And we partnered with one of the the hospitals in, in uh, Colorado and they, you know, they, they sent me luckily to, to pre-approve something that they had done and they had changed my lion. <laughs> it, it was a lion. It was, it, you know, it's children's yeah. hospital. And so now it was a lion with cubs and I'm like, no, that's really cute, but no. <laughs> yeah. you know? And, you know, it was, it, it, I think that's one of the things that people forget is that brand, that logo, you know, that's just as important as the Nike swoosh as the Coca-Cola. I mean, all of those things, and so, yeah, you don't, you don't mess with that. Yeah. You know, and certainly even more so, I mean, obviously you work for an 800 pound gorilla type mm-hmm. of company in that case, you know, the larger franchise brands, you know, that can, you know, I'd say the brand can be very, very recognizable, obviously mm-hmm. with food, with examples we talked about, you know, mm-hmm. that's the case. In a lot of cases, we're talking about emerging brands. They may have 15, right. here, I'll give you an example, Koala Insulation. You know, mm-hmm. they had five locations two years ago. They now mm-hmm. have 250 locations. Oh, wow. So they may be a little more recognizable. You may have actually mm-hmm. seen when their trucks drive mm-hmm. through uh, your neighborhood. Um, but still, that's not a household name. And mm-hmm. so you're not buying the brand as much as you are the systems mm-hmm. and the marketing and the playbook mm-hmm. and that franchise or support. So uh, it is, especially outside of food, I'd say oftentimes these are emerging brands mm-hmm. and they've got a unique niche. They've got a strong profit model. Mm-hmm. Those are the reasons we're looking to buy into, not that it's necessarily recognizable mm-hmm. today. Right. You know, and, and of course, the other thing that the brand does is from the consumer perspective, we know what to expect, um, you know, and, and so we know, you know, back to the, you know, the food thing, you know, you know, when you go to McDonald's here in the United States, at least a Big Mac is a Big Mac is a Big Mac, um, you know, and now you go you know, to another country and it's different, but, but yeah, you know, you've got that. And, and the same thing goes, you know, say with, with one of, you know, with, you know, koala you know that this is the way it always is going to function. And so if you call them in this city, if you call them in this city, wherever, you know what to expect. Exactly. Exactly. No, and that can definitely be a a very good thing, especially as brands grow over time and and, uh, there's that awareness. Right. So what, you know, we kind of mentioned some of the the hot things. What are other hot Mm -hmm. things right now that people are really just thinking, hey, this is, is something... Either, you know, I'm going to buy into as a part-time type of thing or full-time, you know. Yeah, I'd say, you know, the common thread uh, in a lot of these conversations, especially now, but it's probably always been the case to some degree is, hey, we know the labor market's tough. We Mm -hmm. see customer demand across a whole lot of different sectors, Mm -hmm. but knowing the labor market's tough, what can produce the results and the strong ROI with the fewest number of employees? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's just fewer headaches in a lot of cases mm-hmm. too. And, and some people love large teams. A lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I just did a deal uh, a week or two ago up in Indianapolis with a gentleman, early fifties that uh, wanted to become a business coach. Um, mm-hmm. and so we set him up with a great system. We gave him all the curriculum and the training and the assessments, everything he needs mm-hmm. to go out there. So he's not, recreating the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- th- that's attractive. People like uh, businesses, like we've got a great laundry concept, you know, laundromat, $5 billion mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. Again, an industry that very much needs new entrants mm-hmm. to come right. in. That yeah, because you Wi-Fi. think laundry and you think, oh. <laughs> you know, but if you can manage everything on your phone and be in and out in under right. an hour and you've got the mm-hmm. Wi-Fi and just a much better experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been able to eat market share from, from others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people like things like that or car washes mm-hmm. or understandable businesses. I, I just did one recently. It was a 10 unit oil change deal between Atlanta and Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the guys have bought into the business, own multiple businesses, mm-hmm. and none of them were related to automotive. They never mm-hmm. thought they wanted an oil change. Mm-hmm. 
But again, once you peel back the onion, they love the fact that, hey, even 10 years from now, electric cars are going to represent mm-hmm. under 10% of cars on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, average age of cars is 10 years, mm-hmm. 12 years on the road now. Um, a lot of those macro factors they liked. And this is a business that uh, you know provides the 10-minute oil change, not mm-hmm. a lot of upselling. They don't have commission salespeople. And they use prefabricated buildings. Mm-hmm. backed by an investor group. So you're able to get it in at a much ah. lower cost. Mm-hmm. And then they use unused parking spaces in a shopping center parking lot. Okay. So the landlord loves that additional mm-hmm. revenue mm-hmm. stream. And you can man these with only two people per location. Mm-hmm. Manage everything on your phone. So very much a semi-absentee type business mm-hmm. like that is mm-hmm. resonating. Um, you know, again, you know, you know, I did a dumpster business re- uh, uh, opportunity. That's recently. a franchise? <laughs> it is. It is. And people love that. Um mm-hmm. Now I've got a client. Uh, he's the largest franchise owner of two men in a truck moving service. Right, and I know and people I've just think company. that that's people saying, "Hey, we're two men in a truck." No, it's a franchise. It is. It is. He's thirty-nine years old in Columbia, South Carolina. He has built an over thirty million dollar business, wow. and uh, he sources young guys through his church that mm-hmm. uh, you know that, that he puts in roles of responsibility. And he and I did two two deals together last year. Um, you know, they were totally unrelated to his core business. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them was for a driveway company. Um, it's driveway and then it's rubberized paving as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 30-year-old business started mm-hmm. franchising two years ago. And that's mm-hmm. a good example of oftentimes you see these businesses, you know, think like the serve pro type businesses. Mm-hmm. They've been around forever, but then they start franchising mm-hmm. and then, you know, really experience that kind of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say uh, opportunities like that, over half of my Clients are real estate investors and own mm-hmm. some uh, real estate. So they love the idea of businesses that can complement what they're currently doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's definitely attractive. Um, you know, some people say, hey, I know I want to be in pets. Hey, I know I want to do something related mm-hmm. to kids. Um, some people say, hey, I want nothing to do with the consumer. I'd rather, you know, call on mm-hmm. businesses and sell to them. I'd say a big differentiator is those that like the idea of a physical location mm-hmm. and the build out and the brick and mortar side. And then those that say, hey, I'd much rather mm-hmm. work remote. And yeah, maybe we have some physical space down the road, mm-hmm. but it's much more on the back end. It's not mm-hmm. customer facing. So um, really, a lot of my clients say, hey, it comes down to the numbers. I'm somewhat mm-hmm. agnostic. Mm-hmm. Show me the return on my investment. Mm-hmm. And this is what's really eye-opening to Deb. You know, I'll just use that, again, not to harp on it, but the, the gutter example, just because we mm-hmm. recently had two clients placed there really attractive margins on this business. So the, the business has been around 20 years, started mm-hmm. franchising two years ago. They, they've got about a hundred locations now. Mm-hmm. Um, all in investment on that business is 120 to 140. Mm-hmm. For that, their average franchise owner is doing right around a million bucks a year in revenue mm-hmm. with a 30% bottom line margin, mm-hmm. 31% to be exact, mm-hmm. that they're putting in their pockets to call $310,000 mm-hmm. for your average location. Mm-hmm. Some of their locations are doing as much as $2 million and did that in the very first year. And again, wow. these are just a couple of years mm-hmm. old. These don't have a long mm-hmm. uh, record. And their corporate location, you know, up in Pennsylvania is doing several million a year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people realize, hey, wait a minute, I can do 300000 on an investment of one thirty, let's call it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I could potentially leverage that one thirty. They start doing the math and... Mm-hmm. I remind them nothing is easy. Nothing is perfectly turnkey, but with a little bit of effort out of the gate, and then you put Mm -hmm. the manager in place, Mm -hmm. you can build out this portfolio of companies that again, have not only cash flowing properties, Mm -hmm. but also that exit value Mm -hmm. down the road. Right. Yeah. And you mentioned a couple of things that that I think are very important. And and one is that you don't have to have experience in doing whatever that is. Um, you know, the, the oil change, you know, they, they were not mechanics. So it's more, they have to have that business knowledge and that business skill, um, you know, and, and so is that, you know, do you find that it's a mix, you know, that you've got some people who, you know, have that industry knowledge, or is it more, you know, just kind of people who, who have the business knowledge and then the, the whatever it is, is kind of secondary. Yeah, I, I'd say much more the latter. You know, okay. again, I, I I said 85% of people, you know, would jump into something that it wasn't on their radar oftentimes that they have no background in. And mm-hmm. the franchisor kind of likes that because you're not bringing baggage mm-hmm. in with you. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think if you have some B2B sales experience, which a lot of my clients right. do, mm-hmm. then yeah, there's certain industries that may cater a little more towards mm-hmm. that where you could go do anything, but mm-hmm. let's leverage some of that experience mm-hmm. that you have, you know, that could uh, set you up. 
oftentimes mm-hmm. a lot of the deals we're doing right now are in blue collar industries and mm-hmm. you're not, you're not reinventing the wheel, but you're bringing mm-hmm. a white collar approach. You're marketing it differently. Mm-hmm. You've got the systems and you know, you answer the phone when, when people call and mm-hmm. you're able to just really set yourself apart out mm-hmm. there and differentiate yourself. In some cases we do have patented technology. You know, there, there's one right now that's, uh, you know, there's several businesses I'm working with that have, true patents on their product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so of course that would be a differentiator. So, right. um, you know, it is, I, I love learning these new business models. I mm-hmm. love getting to know the franchisors behind them. Uh, just a lot of really good people. And again, we, we pick the winners. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get out there. I mean, I, I probably went on 30 podcasts last year and had additional speaking engagements mm-hmm. because there is so much interest in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet there's so many unknowns that people mm-hmm. have uh, until they really get to hear more about it. Right. Yeah, the the other thing that you mentioned is that, you know, you don't have to physically be in there running that business, Um, especially if you've, you know, got it, got more than one location, more than one type, you hire the manager. And, you know, and, and, and so it's, it's kind of that, you know, you've got the franchisor and then the franchisee and then the managers. And for those that can't see me waving my arms, I'm making kind of like a ladder. Um, and, and so again, you don't have to have that direct knowledge. So, you know, the oil change place, you know, another example, I don't know anything about that. I hire a manager who does. Absolutely. No, it comes down against your ability to, to work with people, to, mm-hmm be someone that people want to work for, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and you treat them fairly. And mm-hmm. I, obviously the franchisor is going to provide you with ideas of how to compensate them, mm-hmm. what they've seen work, you know, they will train them up for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just sent uh, for one of our businesses we're invested in. We just sent the young general manager. He's 27 years old, had been at KPMG CPA mm-hmm. for the past five years. He said, Hey, I'm ready to get out of this, mm-hmm. <laughs> out of these four walls. I want to get out there in the field. I want to talk to people and, mm-hmm. and kind of utilize, you know, be who I am. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we gave him a little bit of equity in the company to mm-hmm. incentivize him. And you know, we sent him out for a week of training out to Dallas, mm-hmm. Texas two weeks ago, and they're training him up. We don't mm-hmm. have to train him. Um, instead, we're there holding his hand on the sideline, you know, mm-hmm. on a weekly call, providing coaching support, uh, you know, some, uh, some referrals as well, you know, just based on our knowledge of the local market, people that we know, commercial real estate people in this case, mm-hmm. that we're able to introduce him to. And then he's been running with it. It's been mm-hmm. a lot of fun. He's, in his first two weeks, he did over 40,000 in sales, Oy. <laughs> and which exceeded mm-hmm. our expectations. So we're mm-hmm. off to the races and uh, excited about that one. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and it is the economies of scale. You know, the, the, the franchisor can train 50 people at once much better in many ways than you can train a person here, a person here, a person there. Um, you know, and, and as we said, you know, obviously the marketing, the advertising, you know, all of those things, which is, I think, why a lot of times people don't understand that, that there are franchises because they see the big marketing, you know, the big advertising, um, you know, and, and they don't realize, oh, hey, you know, those are all really independent um, little little places. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't think it's always one or the other. You know, I think we all are on a journey. We're all evolving as we go. We're learning new mm-hmm. things. And, uh, you know, quite a few clients of mine already are business owners of mm-hmm. non-franchise businesses. Then they buy a franchise business mm-hmm. that either complements their core business mm-hmm. or maybe it helps diversify. So it can mm-hmm. play, play, you know, work two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a few examples. I can just share case study after case study. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, they may have the franchise business and they say, you know, that uncovers some needs in the market. And, mm-hmm. hey, let's go start another mm-hmm. business or you know, a lot of cases we have couples buying into businesses and mm-hmm. they each know the role that they're going to mm-hmm. play. Maybe one can give a little more time and mm-hmm. you know, she may be, you know, focused on the kids as well, but has mm-hmm. some time in the mornings when they're at school or what have you. And so we mm-hmm. see a lot of couples getting into franchising mm-hmm. as well or business partners mm-hmm. or, you know, obviously, you know, solopreneur as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people always think about risk and, you know, it doesn't totally de-risk it, but it does right. help. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, the success rate is much higher in franchising, um, you know, but I always ask them, what is the absolute worst case scenario? You know, say things didn't work out and you're six months in and you say, hey, this isn't for me. You know, I, um, I mean, you can probably sell it for close to what you put into the business. Mm-hmm. And so the downside oftentimes is fairly limited, especially when you get in with a growing franchise mm-hmm. system where people are wanting to buy in that market. I mean, very oftentimes I have clients that are, you know, competing with other candidates for the same territories in a given market for a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so say my client wins that, and we usually do, uh, then, you know, if things weren't to work out, mm-hmm. then uh, 
that franchisor is going to say, hey, here are 30 more people that had an interest in that mm-hmm. same space. Right. Uh, so the downside oftentimes can be somewhat limited as mm-hmm. well. And you mentioned begin with the end in mind. So, you know, you've, you've been doing this a while, you've, you've had your businesses mm-hmm. and you decide ready to change, ready to retire, ready to whatever. So, so then what's the process? Yeah. And so it can, the vehicle you use for that resale can take multiple forms. It could be that you, so sell you don't to just a- shut your doors. Hopefully. I wouldn't. I wouldn't advise that. You're right. Yeah. If you if you if you built a halfway decent business, you wouldn't just be shutting your doors. So, you know, oftentimes you have franchisees in other territories around your market. Um, so a natural exit would be to to sell to one of them. In turn, you could also buy one of them. You know, that could be a way to grow over time. Um, it, it, oftentimes, I mean, you could use websites like Biz by Sell or use a business mm-hmm. broker. You know, get it out there. A lot of my clients come to me saying, "Hey, I'm interested in resales. Do you have anything in the uh, ah. you know the Phoenix market that mm-hmm. could be mm-hmm. a resale of the franchise?" Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do. Oftentimes mm-hmm. we don't because people do tend to hold on to these for quite mm-hmm. a while. Um, but no, I've done a couple of resale deals in the past year, but I'd say those are definitely more of the minority of, of what we're mm-hmm. doing. Um, so no, there are definitely opportunities, and like I said, the franchisor may have a list of people that have shown mm-hmm. interest over time in mm-hmm. that market. Um, that they can tap into as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it, and and obviously, again, it, it probably varies depending on the franchisor. If things aren't going well, can the franchisor step in and say, no, nope, we're, we're taking this back over? They can, and that's outlined in the franchise mm-hmm. disclosure document. But by and large, you really have to be off the rails. I mean, again, right. they don't want to go to the trouble of winding mm-hmm. you down, bringing someone else in. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot of work on their part. And they don't want to reflect that as a as a failure either in, in their documentation. So, um, no, they're going to do everything they can. And I've seen this firsthand of, of trying to support you. And it could be that they come in, they send people down, you know, trainers to help, you know, your team and support mm-hmm. you. Um, obviously a lot of one-on-one coaching, but then mm-hmm. they can also at times make financial uh, concessions. Maybe you don't pay a royalty. Typically in franchising, you pay a royalty of somewhere between five and 8% of revenue mm-hmm. you know, for the franchisor support. That's, and that's how it's structured. Uh, but it could be that they hold off on those for a period of time. Okay. Um, they'll, my experience is they'll do everything they can to help mm-hmm. save you. Right. But if you're going off the rails and you mm-hmm. are totally you know, embarrassing the brand, mm-hmm. then, then they will step in. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and then of course there are other things like mm, a pandemic. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's just not going to happen. Um, you know, and and so, but but yeah. So okay, John. So we've piqued people's interest, and they're thinking, "Hmm, this does sound interesting." What now? So what are the steps that somebody takes? Yeah, so we've really worked to streamline the process and, and really find the most effective and efficient way to, to introduce mm-hmm. opportunities to clients. So what that looks like is uh, you know, getting on the phone with me. You know, I'm happy to talk with your mm-hmm. uh, with your listeners, but get on the phone and, and we'll spend you know about half an hour or so together. I'll ask a lot of questions, I'll help you fill in the blanks, I'll share some resources with mm-hmm. you. Uh, I would then have you fill out a questionnaire that takes under 10 minutes, but mm-hmm. you know, it kind of helps dissect things a little bit more. And from there, I you know typically a week later, it gives me enough time to check on opportunities in your market that I have in mind that could be a good fit. I check on availability and, mm-hmm. and such, and um, it, and then we get on a Zoom call where I share my screen and we will walk through typically seven or eight opportunities okay. in your market that kind of mm-hmm. fit the criteria that we talked about and fit mm-hmm. that framework that we've discussed. And we talk through each of those, look at the websites, and from there try to narrow it down to somewhere between two and four opportunities. Mm-hmm. Three tends to be the magic number uh, to then make an introduction for my clients to the franchise brand. Mm-hmm. They'll have an intro call with the franchise brand, mm-hmm. uh, decide if they want to continue talking uh, mm-hmm. beyond that. You know, you can drop out of the process mm-hmm. at any time. And it can be an iterative process where mm-hmm. we may drop a brand, bring another one in. Um, but you're learning. You're learning how to analyze business and how mm-hmm. to compare. And any call that you're on, you're going to come up with new ideas of questions you need to mm-hmm. ask the other brands. So it's great having that basis for comparison as you walk through it. And the franchisor has a pretty streamlined process. Mm-hmm. They'll go through the financials. They'll, they'll go through the, they have a call where they get into territory review mm-hmm. and the FDD review. They'll introduce you to other franchisees in their system. And mm-hmm. You get to ask them questions, do what we mm-hmm. call validation. Ultimately, that culminates in a discovery mm-hmm. day where you uh, spend some time, day or day and a half with the franchisor mm-hmm. and their team, 
both sides deciding, is this the right fit? Mm-hmm. Um, I hold my client's hands through the process the whole way. You know, we'll do touch base calls every week or two, serve as a sounding board, introduce them to funding resources, legal resources. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of the whole process and how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's entirely free to my clients, which is a great setup. I was just um, wondering that. I'm like, okay, now you're a really nice guy. But you got bills to pay too. <laughs> so how does that work? <laughs> no, it's, it, it's I've been very fortunate. I've had, I've worked with great clients. It's been a very good living for me. And uh, the way that I, I operate, I get paid by the franchisors on the back end okay. when a deal gets done. It's very okay. much like executive recruitment, if you mm-hmm. if you think about it that way. Um, and none of that gets passed on to my clients in any way. It's just a sales and marketing expense for them. Mm-hmm. So, um, no, I love going through the process. I love what I do, getting to play mm-hmm. matchmaker, opens people's right. eyes. And clearly them. it benefits you to be a good matchmaker. It does. It does. No, we mm-hmm. probably placed 30 clients last year, and that mm-hmm. and that's a, um, a sizable number given the time mm-hmm. that it takes to, to work with each one. So uh, I've been very fortunate um, to, to have those relationships with the franchisors and work with great clients. And mm-hmm. yeah, I would love to engage with any of your uh, listeners that would have an interest in learning more. And if nothing else, I can share some resources to kind of mm-hmm. get the juices flowing a little bit more. Right. You know, and, and I'm guessing that, you know, there are times where people are like, oh, no, this isn't going to work for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. People get cold feet at different Mm -hmm. stages of the process or, you know, if someone's looking for a job, it's amazing how oftentimes as we're in the process, they find a job like it's, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a big believer in activity breeds activity. And when you start looking at option A and Mm B, you know, option C oftentimes comes out of left Mm -hmm. field. It's just, that's kind of been my experience in life. Um, So no, I encourage people that, Hey, if there's any interest, at least start learning more mm-hmm. and I can share some great resources. So mm-hmm. you know, I'd say ping me. Uh, my email address is john at frambridgeconsulting.com. Mm-hmm. No H and John. That's just J-O-N at frambridgeconsulting.com. Come to our website, sign up mm-hmm. for our newsletter, and I uh, would love to get to know you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, this it, this is very interesting, um, you know, and and, you know, we've talked about the fact that obviously the pandemic caused, you know, a lot of major changes do you see that continuing with a you know it's uh, you know we hear about and and it's worldwide um the great resignation i mean you know do you see that continuing you know i i love it i say this pretty much every program where you know every time we talk about the pandemic is you know we laugh when they said hey it's going to be two weeks yeah right um you know because now we're getting pretty close to two years and i'm guessing we've got six months to a year at least still of of turbulent but do you see this as something that is, for, from a franchise perspective, just going to continue to, to be Ab- a booming market? Absolutely. We look at a lot of data and what it's showing is anytime you have dislocations, whether it be from jobs or from mm-hmm. uh, you know people moving, it creates opportunity. And, and I mm-hmm. think that people are more open to the idea of, hey, maybe now it's time to build my own empire mm-hmm. instead of working for someone else building mm-hmm. their empire. Hey, I don't want to go back to the office. You know, mm-hmm. all those things factor in. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, we've seen just a boom in franchising mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. I mean, it was booming before mm-hmm. COVID did, to begin with, just some of these businesses that we mm-hmm. work with now, you know, people are loving them. Um, but I think even more so going forward, so, you know, a lot of positive tailwinds mm-hmm. from our standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, the great resignation is something that I've written a lot about and mm-hmm. it's, um, it really is a big dynamic that's going to out, you know, outlast just the pandemic time period, mm-hmm. I believe. Right. Now, you know, again, we, we talked about the fact that, you know, there's thousands of opportunities out there. How does somebody even figure out, you know, is there a list, like a master list somewhere that says these are franchise companies? Um, you know, again, we know, you know, a lot of the food ones, mm-hmm. but, you know, how does somebody even figure out, okay, hey, you know, I, I'm interested in this. Are there even any franchise companies out there that do it? Yeah. I mean, that's certainly where I come in and, okay. and I help you wade through that. So, you mm-hmm. know, if you were to look at a list and start going down, looking at their websites, mm-hmm. reading up on them, mm-hmm. everyone's putting their best foot forward. You know, you're, you need to understand what's going on behind, mm-hmm. um, behind the scenes. You know, I, I get with over a hundred brands every six months. We spend mm-hmm. a week together digging in deep on what's going on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. what their plans are for the new year, how successful are their franchisees. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you may go to a website today and it shows three locations. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know that there's actually 45 that have right. recently sold that are mm-hmm. in the process of opening up. They're not mm-hmm. reflected yet. So it's information like that. It's understanding the franchisor's background. What have they done previously 
that -hmm. gives me confidence in their success, Mm because that's going to be a partner of yours. That's an important Mm -hmm. marriage um, that I think sometimes people don't give enough weight Mm -hmm. to. And so it's all these other dynamics that come into play. I mean, I get to see not only my placements that I'm doing, but I also work with about 150 other brokers and is part of the largest network in the US. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing on a weekly basis what is resonating with other people with different backgrounds. And so, again, I just bring all that in Mm -hmm. to uh, helping you understand Let's pull back, you know, right. the, the 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 currents and mm-hmm. you know understand this holistically, mm-hmm. not just what's on the mm-hmm. website. Right, you know, and and clearly, if you're thinking about doing this, you've got to do your due diligence. You know, you need to investigate: is this company financially strong? Um, you know, all of those various things, and and I mean, you know, there's a lot of different ways that that you can be researching it, but you know, be looking at that because it's your time and your money. That you're putting into this and, and you don't want to invest in something that, you know, might, might, you know, not come about, right? Somebody the other day was, they were trying to convince me to invest in something that was, was doing something with Bitcoin. I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and I understand that, you know, could be something that is, I mean, it's clearly something up and coming, but mm. <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, not so much. Um, it's, you know, it's and, important to diversify. And, and, you know, I have clients that, you know, I'd say if your net worth, and this is including home equity, but if your net worth is below 200,000, I'd mm-hmm. say it may be smart. I do have clients that, you know, maybe they're 150 and, the, and they get into a business, but, you know, we're very cautious. I, I think, you know, not you're putting 200,000 into a business, but, you know, having that network, just some mm-hmm. kind of cushion. And obviously mm-hmm. people will above that, you know, that we work with, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not right for everyone. And the timing's not right for everyone. So, you know, I do give that honest feedback to, to clients right. as well. Well, and clearly it's just like investing. There are things that are riskier, um, you know, and, and so you can decide either that the company, the industry, or, you know, things like the location, you know, where you're, you're, hoping that this area gets built out, um, you know, or, you know, things like that. And, and so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to weigh. So that's where it's great to work with a company like yours. So tell us again, you know, in, in a nutshell, what services you provide for folks? Yeah. So I, I share, you know, great resources. I share an overview of franchising. I get to know you, ask you the right questions, mm-hmm. help you understand what that framework should be in your case mm-hmm. of how you analyze businesses and then I introduce you to opportunities that, again, resonate with others with similar backgrounds around the country that would also be a good fit and are available in your local market. And we give you a very manageable group to work with. So you're not overwhelmed at all these brands, but instead we really- There's the 50 that, companies you should- <laughs> We pick the ones that are the best fit. And you know, like I said, 85, 90% of my clients end up in an industry they never thought they'd be in. Well, if they just started going out and researching on the website, they're going to go to industries that- Maybe they thought they're interested in, but mm-hmm. wouldn't be the best. Or that fit. they had a background in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So um, it, it is a lot of fun, again, just to get mm-hmm. see people's eyes open to, hey, mm-hmm. there's an opportunity that could really fit in with my lifestyle. And, oh, I know someone else that has a complimentary business. We could mm-hmm. become referral partners. And, mm-hmm. oh, I really like what the day-to-day to look like you know, would look like, and, oh, my wife has a brother lives in town that could maybe step in and run the business. You mm-hmm. know, all these pieces start coming mm-hmm. together once we start looking at things mm-hmm. from a business owner standpoint. Mm-hmm. And every business is a bu- bunch of widgets. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's or different components. You've got marketing and sales. You've got operations, mm-hmm. technology. It's like, how does it all fit together? How does the business make money? Mm-hmm. And then how do we kind of plug and play? Right. I, I love the concept of matchmaking. You need to figure out how to put that in your in your marketing materials, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because that really is what you're doing, um, yeah. you know. And 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 you're, you know, this is something long term. I mean, you know, not just hey, we want to do it for six months and then go do something else. You know, the, you're you're setting up franchisees to to be part of those organizations for hopefully many years. Absolutely, and it's so rewarding to me to have past clients referring new clients to me. A lot of that happens. And most of my clients come back and buy additional locations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's an indication that they're thriving, they're doing well, they want to expand. Mm -hmm. Um, I've personally bought additional locations of brands Mm -hmm. that we've been invested in. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, that's where I get my validation is, you know, seeing those success stories, Mm -hmm. hearing about the life change, um, the lifestyle change. Again, nothing is easy. But either you're building someone else's empire or you're building your own. Where would you rather put forth right. your effort um, mm-hmm. and make the investments now? Mm-hmm. They'll pay, pay off mm-hmm. down the road. I love it. So again, John, tell us how people find you and connect with you. 
So come out to our website, freeambridgeconsulting.com. Sign up for our newsletter, reach out to me, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Would love to jump on even a 10-minute call and uh, get to know you and share some thoughts. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, do you have any final thoughts for everyone? No, I, I'd say, you know, activity breeds activity. Don't be afraid to dip a toe in the water. You're not committing to anything. Um, but I think education uh, empowers you and it doesn't take that much time to get a basic understanding of what's out there. Perfect. I love it. Well, you know, I we need to chat again, especially, you know, as the, the pandemic continues, um, you know, or as we figure out what the heck our new normal is um, to see, you know, what what have things settled down and, and, and what are new opportunities? I mean, you know, that's going to be one of those things that that I think, uh, you know, more and more we're going to see because we're working differently. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, it'll be interesting to chat about that. And so I look forward to, to having you on the program again. Absolutely. We would welcome the opportunity and, uh, you know, appreciate you having me on today. It's been a fun conversation. Perfect. I love it. Well, I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a terrific conversation with Joel Austinson, Joel, John Austinson of Franchise Consulting. His company is Fran Bridge Consulting and Capital. See, I just got myself all messed up here. Um, I was just so excited. So, John, again, thank you so much. I am Deb Creer. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.